What's up, everybody? This is LDSG Ghost, and I'm your host for this 15th episode of the LDS Gamers Podcast. Today, we're joined by Guy Wakor. Hello. And we will actually be joined later on by Martin Luther Bling and Malice Vulpus. But first, I want to introduce two very special guests in our podcast tonight. On March 27th, DesertNews.com put out an article about a Mormon dad that sold a million dollars worth of games on Kickstarter. That power couple is here with us tonight, Travis and Holly Hancock. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks. Yeah, good to be here. So, first off, congratulations on your successful Kickstarter campaign for Deadwood, 1876. That's got to feel pretty awesome. Thank you. Very exciting stuff. You had over 14,000 backers, nearly $600,000 in backing, which is a remarkable success. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your company, Facade Games, and the inspiration behind uh, Deadwood. Yeah, so we uh, we started our company in 2015. Um, so I, I always uh, liked tweaking games growing up, and I played a lot growing up. Um, and so really just on the side, starting in maybe 2011 or so, I, I started working on a game. Um, kind of got put on the shelf. Um, so I met Holly, then we, we kind of started working on it together. Um, and we launched our first game, which was called Salem, uh, in 2015, and it, it just did way better than we expected. We were just trying to make a few thousand dollars, uh, and it did 100,000, which was blew our minds. <laughs> So kind of opened our eyes to the potential, the possibility of, of doing more. And so from there, I, I quit my job. And uh, luckily, Holly was still working for a little while, so we could kind of fall back on that in case things went horribly wrong. <laughs> sure. Get a little buffer zone there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. But then we uh, worked on our second game, which was Tortuga, 1667. And that did really well. And then Deadwood's our, our third one. So yeah, that's kind of how our company came to be. And, nice. uh, yeah, Deadwood, Deadwood 1876. That one, um, of course, is based based on the town of Deadwood. So it's a cowboy themed game. There was actually a gold rush um, in that town, so the town was kind of built overnight and filled with many unsavory characters. <laughs> so kind of a fun fun theme to build around, and it. Uh, it's a it's a team game, but at the end you have to like shoot your teammates in the back. So you're sort of <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it's pretty much how game night at our house goes, whether it's supposed to go that way or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it's it's kind of a balance of like how much do I help my team advance to the final round versus how much do I prepare to destroy them. So <laughs> fun little fun little awesome. balance. All right. Well, now this is a question here that you may have been asked, you know, off and on over the time. But our community is kind of a blend of all sorts of gamers. A lot of them are, you know, video gamers. Some of them are tabletop gamers. It's just, you know, people get looking to get together, play some games, one form or another. Um, so I guess my question for you is, when deciding to, you know, push forward with tabletop, you know, these are all you know, dominantly card-based games, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than a lot of dice or anything. So why are you choosing tabletop when it is, you know, there's a lot of electronic-dominated gaming is kind of the focus for a lot of production right now. Yeah. Well, I think the first reason is I have no idea how to make a video game. 
<laughs> Perfectly reasonable answer. <laughs> I, I, I like that you know anyone can make a, a tabletop game because anyone can come up with the ideas and the mechanics and kind of put it all together. And I, I think another part of it too is um, there's been a big resurgence of tabletop games actually lately. I think because of the rise of electronic games, video games, I think people naturally, you know, they're spending more time on their phones and on social media and they have this inner desire to actually like see real people and break away (laughs) things. So I think people kind of see tabletop games as a breath of fresh air these days. And, uh, so it's kind of good to be a good to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what uh, what are some difficulties as you uh, design these games? What have been some of the things you've run into where maybe you thought, I can't do this, like, this isn't working? Was there ever a time where, or was it just constant success where it was just bam, 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 everything's working great? Yeah, I mean, all of our games, especially Deadwood, actually, um, you know, they go through h- hundreds of versions, Um and like Deadwood in particular, some of the early versions are nothing like how it ended up just because we would try to get something to work, but it just wasn't quite working. It, there were just flaws or it wasn't fun or, I don't know, the strategy was like too obvious or not obvious enough or it was clunky. And so there, there are definitely times when, when you have to scrap the entire game and just like kind of take a deep breath and be like, dang it. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, we, we keep going and eventually, you know, good things are kept from certain versions and eventually it becomes what it, what it needs to be. Um, I think Tortuga, we happened upon that a lot quicker than Deadwood. So, you know, each, each game takes its own little journey as we develop it and it's kind of fun to see the versions along the way and like to look back and be like, Oh yeah. Like back then we used to do this completely different mechanic and it was awful. And, um, just kind of fun to see the, see the journey that it goes on. Yeah. Just to watch the evolution. Sure. Now, Holly, what are your contributions in these projects? You're the, the better half of the couple. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'm kind of the, uh, always available play tester. Um, Perfect. Built-in playtester. I love it. Yeah. Um, and Travis is always, he always has ideas that he's bouncing off. So um, I, he carries a piece of paper around with him in his pocket all the time and writes down the ideas. And then whenever he gets a chance um, in the car or over dinner. So we, we just, we end up talking about it a lot. Um, we organize more formal game testing nights and uh I supply the cookies for those. <laughs> <laughs> Very um, important role. Absolutely yeah. vital. <laughs> yeah. Once Need the cookies. is more um, just the details are hammered down a little a little better. Um, I do the graphic design of the game. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah. So, um, like I said, once it's put together a little more, then I, I can sit down and start working on uh, what the cards are actually going to look like, what the box will look like, and the rule book, and any other components that are going into the game. Um, and that's really fun for me. Very nice. All right, yeah, I know that's... Okay, 
I don't have a whole lot of experience in building games myself, but you know, every once in a while, my daughters and I will get together and we'll see what we can come up with. And, you know, we'll get through one, you know, first iteration of it. And then either they get bored with it or we find out it doesn't work out and then it's just scraps. And then, you know, <laughs> we don't have the patience to push through and find a, <laughs> a way to make it work. But it is definitely fun to, you know, have it go from an idea to at least that first step. And then for you guys, you know, great job pushing through and obviously you're making something that people want. So that's very commendable. Um, and you've done this a few times. You mentioned Tortuga, um, Salem for your first one. Right. So having gone through it, you know, three different times now, as the process of designing the game, playtesting, manufacturing, you've been able to kind of streamline that. Yeah, it becomes easier each time around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially the the trickier things like like the manufacturing and the logistics and distribution. Like we've figured all all that out. We're st still figuring it out, but definitely a lot easier. And like I mentioned with the design, like I'm definitely we're we're definitely learning like some good principles of game design so that helps but like i said you know that was was our third game but it was probably our trickiest to land on for whatever reason so sometimes even the experience uh in terms of designing the rules can still be tricky yeah deadwood has been a long time coming travis has been working on it for a long time <laughs> and i always knew he'd get it he'd get through it but uh, there are definitely nights when we just felt like, what is this game going to be? What is it going to become something? So you have the theme and want to stick to it, but you know, exactly how to get there is a different question. <laughs> yeah. And actually, Deadwood's interesting. We It was going to just be a different uh, Western town. Like We knew we wanted to do, to do Cowboys, but it was like Tombstone or Diablo Canyon or just... San Francisco at some point. Yeah, it was like a gold rush San Francisco. But but actually, once we dove more into the history of Deadwood itself, that actually provided some key sparks of inspiration for where it went. So yeah. it was interesting that the history kind of guided Deadwood more than the other games. You know, that's something I was actually wondering about as well. Because last summer we met up with some friends to you know go see Mount Rushmore. And while we were there, we drove around the Black Hills and we happened to go through Deadwood, South Dakota. And while we're there, we see all these signs saying, you know, over here is the cemetery where, <laughs> you know, there's Calamity Jane, Wild Bill, all, all these people are buried. So, you know, how much inspiration do you really draw from the history of, of the cities, whether it be Deadwood or Salem or Tortuga, or is it just kind of more for a general feel and then you, you know, yeah. You know what you want from there. Um, so all the characters we use are based, or they're named after real people, and we actually provide bios in each of our rule books about the people and kind of a brief history of each town. Um, we don't get too nitty-gritty with, like, exact historical details, but we do base it on the general feeling of the place. So, for example, Salem, of course, is about the witch trials, and we, we really try to create this feeling of suspicion and mistrust and accusations flying and kind of saving yourself to throw others under the bus. Um, and then with Portuga, the, the island was, it was this pirate island that was full of like British privateers and French 
pirates and Dutch pirates, and they all kind of worked together, but they were also kind of their own thing. And so we, we kind of drew on that of, of like you're sort of on a team with people, but you're sort of not. And yeah, <laughs> mutiny came from from that. So again, that was kind of kind of loosely based on the history, but kind of not. And then Deadwood, um, we we used the gold rush aspect that people are kind of fighting over gold that's in safes around town, um, but then they're also going for guns. So so again, it's not like exact things it's just not like calamity jane then shot this person like in history right. it's it, it uses those people and some names from the town and and kind of just some general concepts to get people into the feel of that era so. sure very cool <clears throat> have you uh have you guys made any trips out to any of these places or <laughs> just kind of gone by searching um we've done a lot of online research. Uh, we did sure. to Salem a few years back. Uh, that was an interesting trip. Salem is cool. Yeah, Salem is so cool. I'm from the I'm from New England, so I've been oh, to Salem multiple great. times. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. We went in October and it Yes, was I did too. And it's all creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but really fun. Um, yeah. we have not been to Tortuga, which is now... I, I think you can the go there, actually. There's like a resort on Tortuga. We should put that on our so we'll, we'll Yeah, sounds like an anniversary uh, getaway. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we're making plans to visit uh, Deadwood. Oh, very cool. Oh. Very, very cool. Now, when you... I, I've looked at these games, um, did a lot of, of, of prep up, up until this point, looking at everything, and, and I just have to say, the packaging... And yeah. the way the game is presented is just absolutely immaculate. It's, it's like, this does not look like you guys are just, you know, messing around, throwing a game together. This looks like a full production team, designers, everything. Like, it's just, it looks perfect. Thanks. So I guess my question is, how did you arrive at the final design? Well, and, and really quick, there are probably people who would listen who don't know what it looks like yet. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Hard to show that on a podcast. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So our games come in uh, these book boxes, like these hollowed out books. Um, and we make them look really old and antique looking. Um, yeah, and kind of growing up, my my mom would always joke that once a game's box is, is ruined or smashed, then the game is ruined because no one will pull out a <laughs> trashy box. That's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, pieces fall out and stuff. We had yeah. a pretty like crazy game closet too. Like things were all <laughs> smashed. Anyways, so I so I always wanted to do a package that was I don't know that people wouldn't smash that they would keep nice. And uh, we were walking. We were we were brainstorming ideas and we walked through a, a craft store and we saw one of these books all out books and it just kind of clicked that it'd be a fun thing to do. Um, and then it kind of just worked out that we decided to base all our games on historical cities and events. So we kind of treat them like, I don't know, like little history books in a way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's always been really important to us to just immerse people in, into the game and the theme. And I think the, the books help do that. Like when, as people open the book, it's like, okay, we're entering this this whole world here. Um, I think they can do that a lot more than just with the regular box. Um, and another reason that we 
wanted to do the the book boxes and and such is is just to stand out because they're if you go on Kickstarter at any given time, there are hundreds of board games trying to get funded. And so, you know, anything you can do to stand out is is really crucial or else you're just going to get lost in the, the mess. So Yeah, I'd say you've absolutely done that. So props on that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so Kickstarter and other crowdsourcing things out there, they must be affecting the market hugely I mean, because it makes it so independent you know, production companies like yourselves can get out there, but it also makes it so other ones that, you know, don't quite meet the standards also get out there. So it can be kind of easy to get lost, I would imagine. But you seem to have found a way to be able to, A, be found, and to, you know, make something that does draw attention. So it's not just, oh, it's another game, pass it on until I find something I do want to follow. So... Yeah, I guess what are the the things you do to make sure that you know you do get those eyes on it when when people are looking for a new thing to back? Yeah, I mean a lot of so over the years we've had dozens of of Kickstarter creators come to us and ask like, "Hey, what's your secret sauce? Like, <laughs> how'd you do it?" Um, and I actually wrote a whole blog article that I would send to them. It's on our website, sodgames.com. If anyone wants to read that, but. But kind of what I always tell them is like you can do all the all the marketing in the world, but if you have a, a game that just looks kind of boring or like every other game, it's it's, it's not going to do you any good. Um, so I always tell them like focus, put your time towards making a great game that that stands out and is different, and then but people will come. Um, so you know with ours, we put we put our first game Salem out there, and we really didn't do a lot of marketing for it. And the orders just kind of tumbled in. I don't know exactly how. I mean, I think it was because because the game looked different and it stood out and it intrigued people. But there's also some luck involved for sure that for whatever reason, the right people were on Kickstarter at that point to kind of get the ball rolling and then keep it at the top of the page and then more orders came coming in. And then, then with our second and third games, you know, we had that audience of our first game to build on. So we could email, you know, the people who back Salem right away and say, "Hey, our second game's out here." And so, so luckily for us, we can we can keep building because we have the audience kind of in place, which is which is really nice. So. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's actually funny because I remember seeing your first game on Kickstarter because oh. I'm one of those people that just likes to back everything under the sun my wife hates me for it but uh i was you know i was looking at this game I was like oh that looks so much fun and you know here we are three years later you folks are here with us today i had no idea you were lds i didn't back the game i should have <laughs> but you know i've got four small boys who would just rip that to shreds yeah and <laughs> see mine are so, old enough that they can treat it nice <laughs> So as an as an independent game shop, are you finding a market for games outside of Kickstarter? Like once the once the you know the the initial backing is done and you know you can't back again, do you have a way for other people to pre-order the game? Yeah. So, um, in terms of like pre-orders. Are you talking about like pre-orders or like once once we release the game? Yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, maybe for any of us that might be interested in. Hopping aboard the the yeah. Deadwood train, you yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, with with the the Deadwood train, um, yeah, we always have we keep pre-orders open up until 
about a month before we we ship out. So for that, if they if they just go to our Kickstarter page, there's a button at the top that says "Miss the Campaign," and it'll go to like a, a pre-order system, and it's it's pretty yeah. much pretty close to the Kickstarter price. I think it's like a dollar more in a lot of a lot of cases. So it's basically the same thing. Um, so yeah, we keep keep those open, and then once we've produced the game and um, sent it out to all our Kickstarter backers and pre-order people. Um, then we, we put it on Amazon and on our website. And then we also work with a distributor who reaches out to like retail stores and, and sells it to them. So luckily in the, in the game market, um, word of mouth does a lot because, you know, our, our games, they play four to nine players. So in most cases, you know, someone got the game on Kickstarter, they invite five or six or seven of their friends over, they have a good time. And then, you know, one of them buys the game and then they play with five or six new friends and it just kind of spreads itself naturally. And luckily with the internet, you know, people just do a Google search for our games and, you know, the Amazon listing will pop up or uh, one of the retailers who has their games will pop up or a website will pop up and, and they find it that way. So, so word of mouth does a lot and um, the internet makes it pretty easy to, to keep selling stuff. So keep selling our games cool. afterwards, you know. Yeah, very cool. All right. So you talked a little bit about the the testing phases, where you go back and you know go through however many different versions of the game until you know which are right. Um, so I, I guess you know how do you well a how do you know which right? <laughs> you know, is it just that it hits a point where you say you know this feels good, or is there a certain thing that you're aiming for before you say okay it's finished? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> one actually key metric is once people start screaming during the game. <laughs> I know that we're close. So since our games are all, I mean, they're all kind of lying, deception betrayal, backstabbing, surprise, that type of thing, um, they, they tend to lead to some very intense emotions. <laughs> Broken so, friendships, you mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, honestly, like, the first time one of our one of our games has people s- screaming, it's just, like, a great feeling. Like, okay, like, we're pulling. We're getting there, <laughs> yeah. That's what we try to do, and, and so so that's that's a big thing. Um, I th- another big thing I look for is as soon as a game doesn't feel like work, um, I know it's getting close. Because some, some games, it's just like there's so many mechanics that don't really accomplish things. And it just feels like a chore to go through the game. So as soon as the game just kind of goes quickly and it's enjoyable the whole time and, I don't know, you just really get to the essence of the game, um, that's, that's also a a metric that I know it's close. Um, sure. There's several. I was like another one is uh, once once like decisions aren't just automatic. So if if someone's in a scenario and and they're like, okay, well I should make this decision, obviously, then I know that's that's not right. Like I try to provide interesting decisions. So ah. once the game is at a place where. They're torn. Yeah, they're torn. Like, yeah. I could help my buddy, or I could not, or I could, I don't know, like accuse this person, or I could stay quiet, or I could <laughs> move this treasure now, or I could save it for later. Like, once once those 
interesting decisions are in place. I know we're getting close also. Oh, that's really cool. Now that ties in as well. Uh, with those decision-making levels, uh, you know, are you trying to target specific age ranges when you're coming up with your mechanics and play testing, or is it, you know, try it until it feels good and then kind of make your best guess to see who would be able to, to handle the strategies involved in a given game? Yeah, we, we kind of always aim for like 12, 13 plus. Um, and we have a lot of like dads or, or so who will email us and be like, hey, I have a a nine-year-old who's really smart. Do you think they can do it? <laughs> like, you know, if, if your nine-year-old's really, really sharp, I bet they could do okay. <laughs> so we kind of aim for that. Like, there's definitely strategy. Um, it's not like heavy strategy. Like, our games are, are fairly light. Um, but we aim for smart kids and above. <laughs> smart kids and above. Smart and above. Okay. Well, my kids are out, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Now, going back to the beginning for a moment. Now, when you released Salem in the quote-unquote dark days of 2015, what was your measurement of success initially? I mean, no one had any idea at the time it would be so successful. What was it like watching it go from essentially an unknown product to just booming? Oh, man. It's kind of bizarre. Like, <laughs> like is this happening? <laughs> is I remember dream? feeling really nervous to even click the submit button on the Kickstarter page to make it go live. Yeah. Um, because we were trying to raise six thousand dollars, which was a lot of money. Sure. And um, and I was just kind of like, oh man, all of our friends and family are gonna see this. They're gonna go on the time and be like, oh look, they only have a hundred dollars. Poor yeah. kids. Oh, take pity so, on them. Give them five bucks. Yeah. I was just pretty sure this wasn't gonna happen. Um, and then once it did get funded, and then I would. You know, I was in school at the time, so I'd come home and uh, see how it had progressed and just be kind of surprised. And at that, like, just not understanding, oh, what does $100,000 even mean? Like, what, <laughs> what does that yeah. be able to do for us in our business? Um, uh, but, yeah, then it just felt really lucky and exciting that, that this is a future we could explore, at least for me. Yeah, Very cool. kind of same, just like baffled. Um, yeah, just kind of floored. I was talking to like an old coworker along the way, and you know, a couple days in, he'd be like, this is crazy, like what, like in your wildest dreams, like how, how high do you think this is going to get? And I remember the first time I was like, oh, like $15,000, that'd be good. <laughs> and a couple days later, he's like, all right, we're at 15, like now what? And, he's, and I'd be like, oh, you know, 30000 that would be like the highest it'll go, that's crazy. And that just kept happening, and, and then it just really blew our minds that it went that high. So that's so awesome. Now, at what point did did you say I could do this full time? Like, what was the threshold that you crossed that was like, "Honey, we've got to do this. We've got to do this full time." Uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, you don't have to share. That's a weird I have question. A tough customer, because I I'm just naturally skeptical and of I always sure. like I think of all the options and all the outcomes and so even after Salem I was like you know we got really lucky with that um, <laughs> it was a fluke <laughs> so after doing Tortuga I remember him um he worked so hard on that campaign I was teaching at the time and I would come home and he would just be kind of glued to his computer answering comments and and questions and uh once that 
did well. I I remember he just turned to me at one point and said, like, I can do this. <laughs> That's <laughs> and awesome. I, he felt the confidence and um, and the support from me. So that was good. Yeah, like the, the second game was really the exciting part. Because, yeah, like, like Holly mentioned, we didn't know if the first one was just a fluke. So worked really hard on that second one. And, and when we pushed launch and, and the pledges started coming on that one, that was – that was a great moment, like realizing like we could keep replicating this and, and keep doing it. Yeah, because what's what's cool about Kickstarter is once you back a project, if that creator comes out with another project, you automatically get notified. Yeah. So you kind of just have the snowball effect, and you can see it from your backers. I mean, you've snowballed since 2015 with, with each installment. Right. Now, speaking of the installments, and you may not be able to answer this question, I completely understand, but... What's next for the Dark City series? Is there another dark, scary city that you're, you're looking at, or is there something else? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're working on Volume Four right now. Um, we haven't told anyone like the city or the or the year yet, but we have kind of hinted that um, whereas the first three games are all based in North America and kind of a similar time period. The next set of three are going to be in a different time and place of the world. So, ah, very cool. So, so next set of three, so we can anticipate, you know, six slots on our shelf there. <laughs> and uh, you know, if those three go well, then we'll do another three and <laughs> another three. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, but then we're actually also working on um, some party games right now as well. So they. They'd be a little like even lighter, um, and just kind of more more chill and fun, and uh, working on some interesting packaging ideas for those as well. So, very cool, very well, cool. Well, you'll know where to find us if you need some playtesters. <laughs> now, where can people find your games? Like, I know we talked a little bit about doing. There's an opportunity to do other pre-orders. What website can they go? Oh, you say go to Kickstarter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. If they go to Kickstarter. Um, just just search for Deadwood 1876 on Kickstarter. Then you'll see a little blue button at the top. It says, missed this campaign. Just click on that, and you can pre-order Deadwood. And you can also pre-order, or you can order Tortuga and Salem through that as well for a discounted prices. Oh, awesome. And then we'll ship them all to you in October. But if you want Salem or Tortuga now, you can go to facadegames.com uh, or look for them on Amazon. Uh, yeah, that's probably the easiest places to go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. You guys are absolutely stellar. I'm so excited for you guys. This is so cool. We're going to watch you every step of the way. We'll be following you. You got some big fans in LDSG now. All right. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks again for taking some time out of your day. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks. Have a good night, guys. Bye. All right. Next up, let's bring on Martin Luther Bling and Malice Vulpus. How are you guys doing? Hey, hey. Doing pretty good. You know, nostalgia ain't what it used to be. <laughs> You've had all day to prepare something to say to us when we introduced you. That's, and that is what you came That's because I didn't take any time to prepare. And that's, uh, <laughs> You're sorry. too caught up in that nostalgia. Uh, such nostalgia. <laughs> What's up, everybody? We now have the crew back together. We want to thank you guys for jumping on. Malice Fulpus, welcome back to the podcast. Yum, yum, yum. Malice is back. 
There we go. Why can't you do something like that? Because you didn't introduce me individually. You introduced us both together, and I didn't I know. know who was going to talk first. I messed that up. I messed that up. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to in the gaming world. I continue to be bad at video games. I played uh, PUBG on the mobile device. And what we've kind of found out is that, I think anyway, it's not confirmed, but people have been saying that the first game you play on PUBG Mobile or the first few games is against bots. And everyone's been posting that they've got the winner, winner, chicken dinner, which means that they've survived, outlasted everyone, outlived, and made it to the end of the game. And they all got winner, winner, chicken dinners. And I died like 10 guys in. So <laughs> I can't even do good at the easy the easy part of the game. <laughs> so, But I've been enjoying PUBG still and, uh, and a little bit of Monster Hunter still. Nothing's changed much there. Gawakor, what have you been playing, man? Oh, lately I actually had a lot of fun with Iconoclast, which I wrapped up uh, probably a week or two ago. Say Iconoclast. Iconoclast. They brand it as a Metroidvania, but honestly, you need to think of it more as a platform shooter. <laughs> because if, ah. you, if you go into it with that mindset, it is a phenomenal game. If you're looking for Metroid aspects, it's probably missing a few of them. <laughs> but yeah, had a great time with Iconoclast, getting back into Pyre, uh, which I think we have a review on that on the site. So if you don't know what yes. that is, go look it up. It's another great story driven game. Good times all around there. So cool. Yeah. Martin Luther Bling. Same um, old, same old. Yeah, pretty much. I, I've been playing rocket league with a bunch of people in LDSG, having fun with that. Um, sea of thieves. We talked about that a little bit last week. I was just getting into it. I'd only played a couple hours as of the podcast last week. So I've played more of that over the last couple of weeks. We'll, we'll be talking about that more a little later in the podcast. Uh, and I saw Ready Player One um, last weekend, which is very video game related. Um, so I don't know when, when we want to go over some of that. We'll go, over, we'll go over it before we hit Sea of Thieves. Sounds good. Yeah. Ballas Fulpis, it's been a while since you've been on a podcast. Yeah. I think you've made your triumphant return back to LDSG. Uh, definitely. I, I never fully left. I can't really... I know, your heart was always here. <laughs> Couldn't really just stop playing video games altogether, <laughs> right? And I need friends. And, and like, this is these are my friends. These are my virtual friends. And I've met a couple of you guys IRL, and it's been pretty great. But I just, you know, real life got in the way of my virtual life for a while. <laughs> It happens. And and I had to take a hiatus from streaming. I had some computer problems and some other things. But I am back. Stud Muffin has helped me get together a new rig. Do not ask me what's in it. It's in the PC Gamers channel, or just PC, I guess, uh, if you want to see what the breakdown is of what's inside. Because I just know that it glows pretty colors, and it doesn't break. <laughs> it's purple, so, right? Um, it changes colors, actually. I Ooh, can RGB. To whichever nice. color I want. So I'm going to try and see if I can rig it to react to like Twitch followers and stuff and turn different colors. Ooh, so. that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I know um, there's I know there's stuff like that. That's sweet. <laughs> and then, um, but yeah, I'm back and I am fresh off the Ready Player One bandwagon. I ah. read the book whenever it got sent to me in a loot crate forever ago. I had never heard of ah, the Ah, I got the same one. All right, so we read it about the same time. Um, and I was really looking forward to the movie, especially because, like, I, I don't know for those listening to the podcast if you realize it, but Ready Player One, the book, is basically a love letter 
to Steven Spielberg, and then he directed the movie. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I was really interested to see how that turned out, and I'll talk about that more later. But um, I'm super duper hyped about Sea of Thieves right now. I've been playing it since the early beta. Uh, I can't stop playing it. I'm pretty sure my fiance <laughs> wants me to like throw away my computer, so I spend more time <laughs> getting ready for like real life and you know sleeping enough before I go to work and things. But I just love this game. Just so fun. Uh, Which is a breath of fresh air because <laughs> last podcast, I think we just dumped on the game oh, yeah. inadvertently. We so. we didn't dump on the game. <laughs> Vader dragged us all down to his his. That's pit true. Of salt. Vader dumped on the game. <laughs> you guys just rolled around in the mud with it for a little while. It's fine. Uh, there are pigs in the game. That's you're totally allowed to do that. Uh, true. <laughs> not calling you guys pigs. I hope you realize, but. Uh, I'm offended. And then when I don't have friends to play with on Sea of Thieves, before I got brave enough to start going out on my own, I was playing into the Sims 4 Pets expansion for the first time. Intense. And I'm really excited because I'm like making characters, like investing in their lives and things. And <laughs> like I made a little like me and Dutch and Sandor our dog and, and played that for a little while. And I was like, well, that, I already know how that story ends. So that's not as interesting. Let's make fake people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I made a vet and I tried to do the vet career and that's been really really fun and really hard not to cheat at so oh gosh like it. everybody nice. knows how to cheat at the sims that's the problem I like, know. They gotta that's hide the first thing people google somewhere. after after they install the game is sims cheats <laughs> oh that's great so, yeah, well cool that's been my virtual life for a little while awesome welcome back so LDSG community update. Bum, ba, da, bum, bum, bum. We need something in there, some cool <laughs> little tune. 2,528 members. Ooh. We have crossed the 2,500 member mark. And so they're all waiting all for pizza. <laughs> and everybody wants pizza from me. I don't get it. How did Who started this? Pretty sure it was you, Guy Bacor. I do. I, 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 I claim no responsibility, pizza, even though it always on me. <laughs> I, can, I can see Paradox's idea. Yeah, we'll have to go back. We can we can search. We'll find out who's responsible and send them the bill. Well, we there, currently... there was a time where it said this many more until a pizza party. So <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that was a big to-do. I, I do want to send out some pizza at some point, maybe when we hit 3,000. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, no promises. Yeah. Give away like a random have... Domino's gift card. <laughs> at random to one person. Pizza party. There you go. Have a pizza party on LDSG. <laughs> so we've currently got about 450 members on at any given time. So we keep crawling up there with concurrent users. So it's great to have people on when you need someone to talk to or want to play a game. Um, Guy Bacor, did you want to take? Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with Icarus lately? Sure. Our sentient robot bird. <laughs> the the, ro the giant robot bird head. Yeah. Has, well, I mean, there's been you know constant, steady, minor tweaks and improvements that most people probably don't notice because that's the way software development is, right? Yeah. And. We are still working on you know, some of the profile pages in the back end that that we're wanting to push out. We're waiting on a couple you know high level decisions before we take that live. And currently, you know, we have the the starboard running. Um, I know some people are anticipating the chat rank reset because you know it's the start of a new quarter. It's usually when we turn that over. But yeah, we're due. We're, we're kind of thinking of a hybrid between the starboard and the chat ranks as a potential you know thing so we want to kind of get 
that up and ready to run a testing season this next time. So we're, it's delayed a little bit so we can get a new mechanic in there and try it out, see how it feels. So I have a question about that, if I could. Yeah, yeah. Could we see that maybe morphing into house points at some point in the future? <laughs> that is something that has been bandied about as part of that whole profile thing I mentioned. It's one of the high-level <laughs> decisions that's floating out there. But and it's actually something that we've uh, been talking to our new LDSG youth reps about, mm-hmm. getting their feedback on houses and how they will work in LDSG. So. Yeah. Yeah. Houses is something that we are interested in implementing. It's just we're kind of trying to make sure we're going about it the right direction because, you know, we want to be able to unify the the membership rather than have something that can be divisive. So yeah. if we can find the right way to be able to use this as a way to you know help people pull together rather than push apart, then absolutely we're all over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not playing with no Hufflepuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, cool. Let's jump ahead to what's coming down the pipe or what's happened in certain games that we like. Bling? Yeah, so one thing coming up I'm really excited for, there's going to be the tournaments update in Rocket League. Um, I don't know if any of you messed around in the tournaments beta they had on PC. It's probably a month ago or so. Um but we we ran a quick little test tournament during that, and it, it's pretty cool. Um, so you basically get into your teams, and there's like a tournament code that you send out, and people can enter in their teams, and it automatically builds out a bracket. You play, uh, you know, you can do single elimination, best of five, best of seven, whatever you want. You play through your games. Once you win, it advances you to the next round. And when you know, the person in the next part of the bracket is ready, when both teams are ready, it just puts you right into the next game. And you go right through and, and can have a champion. Wow. So um, That's awesome. Yeah, we're really excited about the tournament beta. It, w- it will also be uh, – or the, the tournament update. Um, it will also be cross-platform. Um, I think it actually came out today. I want to say it it was April 3rd, which is today. So I think it's out. Um, So we're we're excited for that. Uh, It has potential implications for future Rocket League tournaments. Um, I I haven't been in there since the full release. Uh, I know know, Fish and Bescu are probably more involved in that stuff. But um, there have been talks about having a, a rocket league tournament sometime in the near future. Um, and there's a good chance that we'll be utilizing this tournaments update. Um, cool. so yeah, that, that'll be cool. Keep, keep an eye out in the rocket league channel. If you're interested in, um, you know, participating in that tournament, cause there'll be some discussion on, uh, that tournament going on there. Awesome. Now, when you say crossplay, are you talking just Xbox PC, PS4 PC, or is it true like all three platforms? So, yeah, uh, Sony are still little butts about that kind of thing. So, so, so uh, PlayStation can only crossplay with PC, um, and then 
Xbox One, Switch, and PC can cross play on the other side. Ah, cool. Very so, cool. yeah, we, we would have to see how many PS4 only players we would have in a potential tournament. The first tournament we did, we had a PS4 PC side of the bracket and an Xbox PC side of the bracket. And it just so happened that the winner of the PS4 side was all PC players. So we're able to have a final. Um, and then in the league, when we did the Rocket League League, we didn't have any PS4 players. So we didn't run into any compatibility issues there. Nice. Yeah. But um, yeah, sorry, that's, go ahead. Uh, oh, uh, th- that's really fish and Bescu will sort all that stuff out. If you're interested in playing in the tournament, uh, come play and we'll work out the details. Yes, absolutely. So Minecraft had a few changes. Malice? Yes. Is that true? Uh, Up and coming, actually. Um, Ah. Changes coming out. They revealed back in November that they were going to do an aquatic-themed update with a bunch of more, more river and ocean things. And as we get closer to the release, a lot of snapshots and things have been out, and we're getting a ton of new things. And it's supposed to it's supposed to drop any time over the next three months. The only date that I have here is for quarter two <laughs> this year. Um, oh, very vague. And and they're just giving it. It's just going to Java Edition and Bedrock Edition. And for those of you who don't know, Bedrock uh, Edition is all of the other platforms besides PC, essentially. Uh, yeah. that you can play Minecraft on. Uh, the only thing excluded from that is the Apple TV Minecraft. Um, There's a... Wait a second. There's a <laughs> Minecraft for Apple TV? Yes, there is. How does one play <laughs> Minecraft with that Apple TV remote? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I assume it's pretty similar to the way that they played it on Pocket Edition. So, I mean, if you can oh, play it on an Apple so phone, tiny. you can probably play it on an Apple TV. I wonder if you use your phone. No, I don't know. That sounds frustrating. <laughs> I'm going to have to test this out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I, I haven't done a lot of study into that because I don't have an Apple TV. But yeah. one day, you know, goals. If you guys want to donate to LDS Gamers on Patreon, <laughs> you know, get Yeah, all Malice the money it. goes to Malice. Not I'm all sorry of you it. had to find out this way. Of it, but one day I'm hoping you guys can, fool <laughs> me to, uh, can pay me to stream full time, you know. There we go. <laughs> But we're getting nice. a lot of really cool block updates. So we're getting, we're finally getting pressure yes. plates and trapdoors and buttons for the five types of wood that aren't oak. Um, and then we're getting yeah. coral and coral plants and fans, kelp, kelp blocks, seagrass, turtles, and dolphins. Um, like interactable mobs that actually do things. There's going to be shipwrecks and dolphins can lead you to treasure in the shipwrecks and all sorts of really fancy stuff going on there. I won't That's get into cool. the whole thing, but if you want to check it out, go to the Minecraft wiki and look for the update aquatic. Very cool. Yeah, because right now, I mean, it's just up until this point, it's just been nothing but uh, squids. <laughs> it's just been creepy squids. Squiddies. Yeah, and, and I guess guardians yeah. technically, but. Oh, that's true. Guardians, yeah. But uh, very cool. Very, very, very cool. So, ready player one. Before we get into our title discussion, let's talk a little bit about the movie. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't want any spoilers. <laughs> uh, I'm going to see it this weekend with CG, CJ Stormblessed. He's, uh, he and his wife are driving up. They're going to actually be spending the night at our house on Friday. And uh, then we're going to hit the movie on Saturday. So we're having an old school sleepover. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what you guys liked about it. No spoilers. Yeah, go so ahead. go for it. So without giving anything away, uh, if you've read the book 
or like me, if you've listened to the audiobook, um, there are a lot of changes mm-hmm. uh, from the book to the movie. Um, for some people, that's a really bad thing. For me, uh, there's only so many old Atari games you would want to watch someone play in a movie. Um, so, like, I, <laughs> like I click. I get the click. changes. Pixels. I, yeah, right. I, I think the changes make sense um, and are necessary from going from a book to a movie. Obviously, there's going to be changes in the pacing, the character development, that kind of thing. Um, there are some changes I'm not a huge fan of that I won't go into in detail, but uh, for the most part, I thought the changes were really good and made the movie more interesting. Um, and if you're really turned off by nostalgia bait stuff and like, there's a lot of that in this movie and I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of cool Easter eggs and references that I thought were cool, but, um, it may be a little bit too in your face for some people. (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Do you mind if I step in? Yep. Okay. Um, so I've been following the release for the movie for a while and I was really excited because they even put like Easter eggs in the movie previews when the trailers started getting released. Like even the teaser trailers had little tiny things that you could start piecing together and this would lead you to their Twitter, which would lead you to this and you had to look for this and uh, just a bunch of random fun thing that people who geek out about finding hidden stuff in video games and books and movies like when you catch the little details, you, I don't know, you get a kick out of it. It's like some sort of inner reward that only you know about. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've always loved the concept of Easter eggs in games. And mm-hmm. so reading the book, um, which that's not giving it away. That's on the synopsis. Uh, reading the book about this just ultimate Easter egg that in some futuristic world was just the neatest thing to me. And I, I got a kick out of it. And then whenever... The trailer started coming out. I started following a channel. Um, I think it's called like New Rockstars or something. I'll have to put a little asterisk in the announcement when this podcast goes out with the actual name. But they broke down all of the trailers and all of the teaser trailers and all of the interviews related to the movie and like helped you go on the Easter egg hunt with them. Hmm. And they even picked nice. out, they took the time to pick out all the different pop culture references and everything that they could even take out of the, the previews. And I was really excited because of that, uh, just getting more and more hyped for the movie. And then the movie comes out and I dragged Dutch to go see it with me. And uh, we're in the theater and um, we didn't even see it in 3D, which I think would have been probably a better experience, but we're not big 3D people. Um, but just the, the book is a different bird than the movie now just because they're different breeds of birds doesn't mean they're not both awesome birds like let's say one's a mole trace and one's a zapdos here we go uh-huh. <laughs> i'm not gonna say which one's which <laughs> but but they're both really awesome and um i i can't really pick one over the other because they're different experiences but i think the movie did a really good job of integrating pop culture references that have come out since the book was released um, into the movie and making sure that uh, players in the virtual universe that was the, the movie setting uh, would still be recognized that weren't super nostalgic, that there are still people using trendy things and, and relevant things. Like, sure. um, 
you see some Overwatch characters in there and a couple of other things that are nods to very recent pop culture and uh, and things that gamers really like would be the only people to pick up on. Right. <laughs> and I think that that's kind of one of those things that really makes me feel like I'm part of a community whenever I'm in a movie theater full of people who are geeking out about it just as hard as I am. And sitting in that theater, I haven't felt that way since Pokemon Go first released. And I started meeting <laughs> strangers outside at park benches. Like, yeah, yeah, hey, and, and catch that Charizard kind of a thing. Right. <laughs> and most of the stuff that the references that weren't in the movie seem to be stuff like that, where it's like a person's avatar is a battle toad. Like <laughs> that, that wasn't in the book, but that, that doesn't bother me. Um, most of the stuff that they changed in the movie was very on theme for stuff that you know would have been in line with what the creator would have liked um so so without giving anything away you know there are scenes in the movie where they change some of the challenges that they have to do uh but you know it's very in line with other 80s stuff that he would have liked at least i think he would have liked um but yes, stuff where it's like they throw in Tracer or Overwatch or Halo or, um, you know, all, all that stuff. Like, I I was actually a little disappointed that we, spoiler, didn't see Ugandan Knuckles in Ready Player <laughs> oh, One. Oh, well, now I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I was kind of waiting for like a little horde of Ugandan Knuckles to be running through in that battle <laughs> oh, scene. Oh, gosh. That would have been, but I, I'm pretty sure they were done with the movie by the time that was a thing because that <laughs> cool. started like what november december ish i, I can just imagine yeah. the cgi artist just be like no no we're not developing <laughs> what, something what that looks that garbage. bad <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. yeah yeah i, well, I thought it, seems, it was really cool it seems like uh i know initial reports people were saying like oh this is gonna be a bad movie because there's just gonna be throwing pop culture references in your face the whole time but it seems like I ha- not having seen it but reading the reviews that are out now it seems like it was done in a tasteful and just exciting way right to not make it overbearing but to make it just i don't know enjoyable so that's good yeah, yeah. if people liked the book i don't think that kind of thing will bother them because that's what the book is the book mm-hmm. is like total 80s nostalgia bait fest like that, <laughs> that, that's what it is um and then this is you know all, all in the same vein and i do want to cool. warn anybody who's hesitant to go see the movie that even for a second wanted to originally i looked at metacritic and rotten tomatoes like wednesday night whenever the movie was released released and like the world premiere had been a week before and a couple of early viewings had already happened and it was not doing good on any of the two major critic websites that I follow. And then we went to go see the movie and the next morning, both websites ratings had jumped like, I think 30%. (laughs) And once regular people started being able to see the movie, people who don't get early access to things like this, they were like, Oh my goodness, I loved it. It was fantastic. It had flaws, but you know what movie really doesn't anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I honestly think that it's, it was really inspiring and it, it got in touch with my inner child in a lot of really good ways. And I, I told my cousin earlier that I was like, I'm pretty sure it's the toy story for the up and coming generation. Like, <laughs> it's uh-huh. fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, for reference, it's sitting at a 64 right now on Metacritic. 
mm-hmm. um, with a 7.6 user score. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at a 76% with a 80% uh, audience score. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good for both of those sites, for sure. Yep. Um, <clears throat> now, having seen it, and I don't know how far our audience stretches, but is there anything, I know it's PC-13, is there anything in there that you might want to warn people about or there a is, certain uh, age range? There's age, one scene where they're like in the dance club and oh, just, it, yeah. it's it's not like LDS steak dance approved dancing there's not a understood there's not a book of mormon between them we'll say yeah Um, but any hard language things like that or a a lot of the uh there is one f word Uh, okay um and i i know there's some other language but i i don't remember like number of words yeah Um, i think I i recall like the s word being said a couple of times but yeah, the so, one F bomb was the one that really stuck out to me. There, there were definitely some very intense parts in the book uh, that were taken out in the movie. Oh, that's cool. um, that were definitely more adult themed. Sure. I, I wouldn't say adult themed, but more you know, grown up issues. Mm-hmm. I so maybe maybe we're thinking that you know, age thirteen and up. I know yeah. that a lot of people will take their younger, you know, kids under 13 to PG-13 movies, but it sounds like maybe just <laughs> keep your younger kids at home, maybe. <laughs> yeah, if, I figure if they're old enough to go to steak dance, they're old enough to see the movie. That's um, fair. I do want to warn, just because it's not anything like what's in the book, there is um, a scene that, in the beginning of it, it can seem rather scary, like spoopy, scary skeleton kind of stuff. Ah. Um, and it's... Uh, it's just it's it's a little bit of a nod to like eighties sci-fi horror films, like the really bad, oh yeah, 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 really horrible effects and all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> it's it's a great nod to that, and and it tickles your funny bone in that way. But if you don't know about that stuff, um, I I couldn't tell you if it would just go over your head and you'd like the scenes weird because like from a six year old's point of view or something, yeah, or if they would be really scared of it. Uh, so I warned my cousin before he took his children. I was just like, yeah, there's one scene that, you know, <laughs> you might want to just be ready to like have your kid hide in your arm or something. I don't know if they'll be scared. So yeah, that's good to know. Well, ready player one, go see it. I'm excited <laughs> to see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to definitely see it again in theaters. Uh, it's, cool. it's worth the second view. I'm 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 gonna pre-order it as soon as it's available to pre-order. I'm <laughs> awesome. Well, update from last podcast. We talked about Sea of Thieves quite a bit. We had uh, input from Vader Van Oden, and uh, boy did loose. we ever! Boy <laughs> did we ever! Vader was not impressed with Sea of Thieves. He was not impressed with the game mechanics, lack of tutorial, and uh, trying to get things done without in-game instruction. We challenged Vader to play with a group of LDSGs, and he did exactly that. He played with us shortly after we recorded the last podcast, after we all had installed it and got together. And I think I think he truly enjoyed playing. I, I know he complained. He even complained while we were playing, but <laughs> I think deep down he was enjoying enjoying the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the issues he had were down to not knowing what to do in the game. And yeah. you know, once he played with P13, 
people who, who could kind of guide him a little bit. I, I think that helped a lot. I think some of his concerns about, you know, this not having enough content to be worth $60 were, were still there. Um, yeah. and, and I think a lot of those concerns are valid. If you're like, I need X amount of hours per dollar I spend, um, you know, maybe it's not, the best game to buy, uh, but mm-hmm. like yeah, that—that's not at the top of my list for for what I'm looking for in games. Yeah. Speaking of lists, Malice Vulpus has compiled a list of what we talked about last time, <laughs> okay. and she has brought that everything we got wrong. <laughs> so I, I made essentially a synopsis of just the the qualms you guys had in the podcast that were at least voiced, uh, and they were all fair. I don't think any of them were unfair. Uh, Vader had solid points on all of the things he brought up and you guys had solid points on the things you uh, partook in as well. Um, The first point that was brought up was that there isn't a tutorial. There's still no tutorial. There probably won't be a tutorial. Yeah. But um, somebody, (laughs) I think somebody last week, one of you guys had said, well, if you get dropped into a new life and you're a pirate suddenly, (laughs) is there a tutorial or you just have to figure it out? Um. (laughs) But no, I definitely, early beta when I started playing, I logged in by myself, which I shouldn't have done, but I didn't know anybody else playing. Um, And I immediately got killed by someone else. As soon, like, I barely left the island. I was kind of looking around. I hadn't even seen my ship yet. And some guy just came up and shot me. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then I decided to try it with a group. But I didn't, once again, I didn't realize that voice chat would be such a big part of it and everything. And yeah. the group immediately voted me into the brig and wouldn't let me out until I left. Uh, okay. So <laughs> that was like my very early experience with the game. It was super frustrating. But I came back like I think three days later because I saw the subreddit where they had a bunch of people in the beta. And they were like, hey, we have ways for you to connect with other people in the beta. Try playing with them. Like the rare developers are really strongly encouraging that you use a microphone and communicate with your team. It'll make a world of difference. So, man, were they right. Um, <laughs> I had so much fun playing, and I'm trying to check my Xbox app right now to see how many hours I've logged. Um, <laughs> but I definitely... I can't even find my games. Where are my games at? Um, I definitely have spent way too much time playing this game. <laughs> and um, I've been like coming in late to work the past couple of days <laughs> just because Uh-oh. I stayed up too late. But I'm like, oh, man, I still need to... Like, shower and brush my teeth before I go to bed and log <laughs> out and do all this other stuff. And These are red flags, Malice. <laughs> These are red flags. Oh, it's, it's, it's fine. I fortunately have a really understanding job that's pretty loose. They're just like, so long as you're here through like the main part of the day and you, you work eight hours, we really don't care. So That's awesome. Uh, but, you know, just don't tell my boss that I'm flagrantly talking about it on a podcast and we'll be talking <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's a long-time listener. So. <laughs> First-time caller, long-time listener. You'll, um, <laughs> you'll have a meeting when you guys get in tomorrow. And then uh, on to the next qualm um vader van odin was really mad there were wizards in the game <laughs> um what i i totally must have been zoned out in that no part. so he, he thought that lady was a wizard he thought that the order of souls merchant was oh. a wizard <laughs> and um i thought that was really funny because actually just playing and not even trying to level up that specific quest line uh just picking up skulls from sunken ships and doing skeleton forts and things like the raid bosses i have leveled up faster in i'm now calling it the wizard's guild <laughs> than the other two lines that you can level up in 
and and I'm like making a lot more progress and I'm not even trying. And that's actually really fun to see because the merchants that you interact with in the game, there's the the gold hoarders, the actual merchants, and then the order of souls. And each each of those individual NPC characters on every single outpost, when you start the game, they treat you like trash. Like if you listen to the dialogue, <laughs> they are just awful to you because they're like, oh, you're a no good pesky thieving pirate and I can't trust you and I have to work with you because you're the only person around who can do this job for me. And I really hate that I have to lower myself to your level. <laughs> but I'm still better than you and la da 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 da. They don't say it in that many words, but that's the feeling you get. And each of the NPCs is a pretty different experience. I've actually started noticing that different merchants on different islands have different characteristics and they like have a character and it develops as you retain relationships with each of the guilds. Ah. And it's really neat to see. Um, I actually have a favorite outpost now. <laughs> Galleon's Grave is hands down my favorite outpost because I think that the merchants on it are the coolest ones. So, but um, I had no idea that was a thing. The, the yeah. last time I played, I noticed like the chicken lady is different mm -hmm. um but eric's mom uh the the one that looks like eris morn from destiny that i always <laughs> called eric's mom um, <laughs> she's got like the black runny eyed makeup mm -hmm. um i haven't noticed that her or the gold guy are different mm -hmm. but they are yeah they definitely are um oh. so there's i i noticed a little characteristics because most of the player models in the game look pretty similar they're all made out of like the same different hundred options right. for each appendage and whatnot and the npc are the same way they just get special clothes really but like there's a gold hoarder on one island that has a golden eyeball like it's just solid gold <laughs> and oh. i was just like oh my goodness he like instead of having an eye patch or something they just gave this guy a gold eye and that's <laughs> that's cool that's like it's kind of like the glass eyes that pirates have i just thought that was really neat and it's cool there's um there's a merchant the specifically one on Galleon's uh, Galleon's Grave Outpost the merchant there she's always kind of unsure of herself when she talks to you once you start leveling up to like fifteen ish, um, and and she's kind of like she seems like she'd be your your shy bookish friend that you knew in real life like she, that character starts developing and it's it's really neat because <laughs> I didn't think that they would have put that much uh, attention into those little details but then again they. Mm. Somebody learned how to play a hurdy gurdy and a whatever the not accordion thing is, and recorded live all of the songs and all of the harmonies individually <laughs> oh, wow. for the game. So I thought that was probably a, a better thing to remember whenever I'm measuring how much effort Rare put into this game. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to the next thing that was brought up server problems have pretty much disappeared, as far as I can tell. Um, you sometimes get booted from the server you're on and connected to another one mid-game. Uh, and I've heard a couple of people just losing connection uh, on, on occasion, like maybe one person a night in the LDSG Discord. Um, but I, it's not happening to everybody. You're not waiting two hours to get into the game, and you're not yeah. having to just button mash the connect button over and over again. Um, yeah, launch day was pretty rough. I think it took me like an hour and a half to get into my first game. Yeah, I think the, um, the first full week was probably pretty hard still. Yeah. But they've come a long way since, like, this is week two, I, I think, still. Or, or just finished week two or something. But it's it's definitely fixed quite a few things. And you don't see nearly as many um, cinnamon beards and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, last <laughs> night I, 
I got some kind of beard error. I don't remember which one it was. Um, I got it a couple times trying to join in. I restarted my game and then got in straight away and played for like three hours without any issues. So, yeah, the only one yeah. I get lately is the lazy beard for not being active on the server. <laughs> you get oh. disconnected <laughs> after ten minutes of being AFK. By the way, so oh, that's good. Oh, to that's kind of lame. Yeah, so just if you're going to be gone more than ten minutes from your team, just go ahead and disconnect and tell them you'll let them know when you're back on. Because uh, I had to go, uh, I wanted to record footage actually for my channel, like away footage of my character just sleeping at an outpost with my ship in the background. So I like I ran to the, I think it was at Golden Sands, and I ran to the back of the uh, the tavern to the little porch that runs around the back of each one of them, and uh -huh. I just used the the sleep emoji in game, whatever, and had a perfect shot of my sloop in the background and just left and had OBS going, recording the whole thing, and I wanted to get a full cycle from night to day to night again or, or whatnot, but it disconnecting after 10 minutes Booted. Was, was enough from, like, <laughs> midday to night. Like, the sun was setting when it disconnected. So, huh. on the other hand, I know a day takes, a, a full day takes about 40 minutes of gameplay. Interesting. Oh, wow. Um And that'll kind of help you keep tabs on how long you've been in game, because I never notice. I... We're, we're playing for three or four hours at a time and i'm like man it's been an hour oh man it's been more than an hour <laughs> yeah. Thing. yeah um i'll go ahead and move on to the next point the the cost of the microtransactions now those are definitely real points um but it, i definitely think that they're getting people to use game pass and hoping that they'll forget that their subscription auto renews or whatever <laughs> mm -hmm. but um they, they, you know, they didn't really have anything on Game Pass that was really worth getting it for before, I think. And um, because I've never even looked at Game Pass until Steve Thieves beta was going on, and I was like, Oh, oh Fusion Frenzy. <laughs> so, okay, Fusion Frenzy, Fusion Trans Frenzy, <laughs> all that stuff. That's that's fair, but um, but it's you know, it's a, a, an MMO, and and those things have usually huge, really loyal followings, like. The Final Fantasy fourteen online players and WoW players and and all of that stuff they like they keep coming back because that's who they are. They kind of define themselves as I am a player of this game and yeah, I'm a WoW player. <laughs> Microsoft is trying to get in on that, I believe. So definitely kind of a trick to get people into Game Pass because people are already used to play paying monthly payments for MMOs. So sure. Um, but the microtransactions, I, I'm i really looking forward to those because I really want a pet. <laughs> I'm hoping I'll get a monkey at some point. I don't know if they'll even have those, but I know they're going to have like shoulder parrots and kitty cats and things like that. Um, they better have monkeys. I, I haven't <laughs> seen anything about monkeys yet, but I rewatched the trailer from E3 2016 when I first heard about the game. And they had quite a few things in there that aren't in the game yet that I totally forgot about. And I'm excited to see those come out. Um, but yeah, well, the microtransactions and, and trying to get money off of players, but without it really making any difference in the game, it's, it's debatable that, but that's a different conversation for a different podcast. I, I would totally pay for some music DLC. I want some different songs oh, yeah. to play on my hurdy gurdy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like paint it black on your hurdy gurdy. Anyway, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> a flaming hurdy gurdy would be cool. I would pay for that. I want to play some Dragon Force on my hurdy-gurdy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't think they could pay someone enough money to learn how to play Gosh. Dragon Force on Hurdy Gurdy yeah. and record it for the game. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> um, awesome. So another thing that was brought up was that the solo option for playing the game was just you guys didn't really define it when you said it, but I kind of got the feel that you were saying that it was boring or pointless or you just shouldn't play by yourself because you're not going to have any fun. Uh, that, I think it was more that, that last one. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more fun with, with a full squad. So I, I totally agree with that. It's definitely more fun with a full squad, but as I said earlier, I started venturing out as I got braver and more experienced with the game. And, and just over the last week, I've, I've ventured out a couple of times solo on my own. And I've never been good at PvP games. Like, let me get this straight. When it comes to PvP, the only reason anybody would watch me stream a PvP game is to see my reactions when I die. Because uh, <laughs> I get into it and I, like, get anxiety and I, like, squeal and scream. And, like, sometimes I'll drop my controller or whatever. Um, I'm not good at PvP because I get so into it and I'm like, if I can't die. I get it into my head that I'm not allowed to die. And then dying becomes huge obstacle and i when i know it's approaching i just ruin it like i cannot (laughs) i can't compete with other players and it's awful um so doing the sloop solo thing which if anybody listening has played the game you know that solo sloop is just bait you're just galleon bait at that point yeah because there's not really without being creative and sneaky any ways a one player sloop could take out a four player galleon there's pretty much no way to do it um but I fortunately have learned that sloops can, if you are watchful, you can outrun any galleon by a long ways, by a long, long, long ways. You just need to know how to do it, uh, which, by the way, if you're interested in learning how to do it, just just turn into the wind at your back. Whatever, no matter where you're needing to go, just turn towards whatever way the wind's going and just keep going. Even if it's right past the galleon, just keep going. <laughs> they will stop chasing you because you will be getting leaps and leaps and bounds ahead of them so um so i i started playing solo and i just decided ahead of time that i wasn't going to try and do quests because if i got stopped in the middle of a quest i was going to be more frustrated than if i just lost treasure Um, (laughs) because then i'd still need to complete that quest um and it would i would just have to go back and do it again and i didn't want to feel like i was losing progress like that so as a solo player, all I've done is raided shipwrecks and explored huh. and um, and occasionally just interacted with other players whenever they're not violent, if I run into them. But uh, I found a, a hidden, I, I found an uncharted island and a hidden underwater cave that leads to this really cool, like, uh, Aztec looking altar with its mouth open and the tongue rolled out of it. I think a couple of YouTubers have posted screenshots and, and gameplay of, of that same place, but I found it and I was really proud of myself. And I'm like, man, this is going to be important later in the game. Um, and I've started looking around the map for like, trying to see if I can find where deep on, in, under the water the Fairy of the Damned is located because apparently you can see it from the surface, but it's just at the bottom of the ocean somewhere. Um, and so I've been trying to look around and find that. I've been trying to interact with the Kraken solo to see if I could even remotely survive. Um, Tell me more about that because I haven't encountered a Kraken yet. Okay, so I got really lucky the first time I encountered a Kraken. Um, I was on a four-player galleon, and everyone else on the galleon, I thought, I'm pretty sure from the experience, had already encountered it. 
and they already knew what to do. So they were just kind of giving me orders and I was just like, okay, so when a Kraken encounters your ship, all you see is these black and purple tentacles um, pop out of the water on either side of your ship and your ship stops moving. Uh, the sky gets dark, the water gets dark, and even though your anchor's up, you're you're just not moving anywhere. Hmm. So um, tentacles will pop out on either side of the water from you and it's creepy because all of the tentacles have individual like little uh, Stranger Things style mouths on the end. <laughs> oh, uh, like like those monsters have the, the little demogorgon. Flower yeah, the demigorgon mouths. Like each of the tentacles has one of those on the end, and so you're just like, oh, this is this is scary. Um, yeah. And I remember the first time I got picked off by one of the tentacles. I was actually on the second deck of the galleon, trying to get more cannonballs, and somehow the tentacle still got me. I guess it what? hit a hole in the ship and pulled me out of it somehow. Wow. And damaged the ship a little bit, and I didn't think that was possible. I thought I would just I couldn't get grabbed if I was below deck, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I got pulled out and I'm being held by this thing. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I like, I don't have a controller. I'm using a keyboard. Do I wiggle the mouse? Do I toggle A and D to try and get free? Like, I don't know. And then I realized I still had kind of a range of movement and I had my melee weapon on me. So I was just like, I'm just going to try and hit it. And it eventually dropped me in the water. Hmm. And then I didn't get back to my ship in time before it despawned. But the other players just kept firing cannonballs at all of the yeah. arms. And if you hit a, an arm with a cannonball, the arm will eventually sink. Usually it's just one shot. Sometimes it's two. But um, if you can get like a solid cannonball hit on it, it'll disappear into the water. And the arms will re respawn a couple of times. But so long as you can get cannonball hits on them, your ship should be fine. Um, cool. There was one instance where we were chasing a sloop and... The Kraken spawned, but we got one tentacle at our boat and then like double the tentacles of the sloop we were chasing. <laughs> and so we felt so bad because like he'd already taken damage because we'd been chasing him. And it was a bunch of us LDS gamer group too. So we were like, yeah. oh, this isn't the LDS thing to do. We can't just watch him die to the Kraken. So we so we like <laughs> yes, helped we him can. escape the Kraken and then he eventually escaped us because of it. But um, we started firing on the, the Kraken tentacles because they weren't paying any attention to us. It was pretty great. Huh. Oh, an insider tip. If you are battling a Kraken and there are tentacles popping up at the front or the back of your ship, raise your anchor, make sure, or make sure your anchor is raised, and just turn the wheel of the ship in one direction, and you'll uh -huh. rotate, and you'll be able to oh. hit all of the over time. Because you can't move from that spot, but you can still turn. Oh, gotcha. So, so that's a, pro that's tip. a uh, pro gamer pro tip. tip. Pro that's major league gamer <laughs> tip there. Uh, I I look forward to being invited to compete in the first ever Sea of Thieves tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One million dollar prize pool. Uh, or more golden bananas. I'd be cool with that. Um, did you guys hear about MLG? Did you guys hear about the golden banana quest? I, I have vaguely. I okay. saw an email about it, but didn't really. All right, I'll get into that it. later. But a French crew called um, the the Air H E R R ended up winning like 48 karat gold bananas from a famous UK jeweler. So that's, Ooh. yeah, definitely worth a read. Um, and I think that Rare and Microsoft did a really good job with that treasure hunt. But That's cool. Okay. Um, but on to the next thing, because uh, obviously I don't find it boring solo anymore. <laughs> um, and I'll let Bling talk about this a little bit, because he's starting to learn about this too, and I don't want to take up all of the chatter time, because I tend to get carried away. Uh <laughs> The next, we only have three bad points more to go over. And the next one that Vader brought up was that there's no real game progression. 
Like, there's no real way to move up in the game. And I have my own opinions on that, but I'd be interested to hear what blings are. So, hmm. You're going to do a better job on this. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what I understand about the progression, and then you can correct me. So, so uh, basically, your rank is tied to the specific merchants. And as you go through um, the game and either complete quests or turn in loot that you get for those specific merchants, your level with those merchants increases, which means uh, higher level quests um, with higher level enemies and better rewards. Uh, And then also there are specific unlocks um, or specific mm, like gear tied to the different merchants. So like the gold guy, you can buy a shovel from him. And as you upgrade your level, the shovel looks cooler. Um, And there, there are a couple of those gear things you can buy from the different merchants. Um, But what, what else what what other progression is there beyond that, Malice? Um, so the main point of the game, progression-wise, is to get to Pirate Legend. Um, I don't know how much you know about that, but... I, I don't know what that is. Okay, so if you... I think it's... If you reach level 75, I don't know if it's in all three categories or just one, um, which obviously takes like a really long time to get uh, and, and uh-huh. I don't know if they've kept the cap at 75 because apparently the first person finally hit it yesterday um, the, but the reward for it, you're going to like this, is you get an additional shanty <laughs> yes! I need it, I need um, it now ex- <laughs> exclusive to Legends um, and then you'll get access to a new outfit you'll play the the legend shanty at a tavern to open a secret path underground which leads to new faction hideout um Uh. instead of normal quests you'll get legendary pirate faction quests that send you on um just harder things that are higher level kind of like when you first reach level 60 or whatever and wow um it's just kind of a different ball game from that point forward and i think if rare is smart they will continue that pattern but they'll just release that over time just like all of the mm-hmm. other mmos do yeah but that's the real progression and what i really really like is that because the pvp is so level like the since there's no way mm-hmm. really to get op weapons or shields or anything right. like that in the game you can play with uh like i think guy record uh he's not on anymore but he he plays with his daughter sometimes like video uh-huh. games I remember playing Rocket League against them, and that was super fun. But she's really, really young. And so her handle on a PvP game wouldn't be so great. But right. she could play just as well if she just practiced a little bit as yeah. Gaiwakor could figure out. Because the weapons are limited. She's not going to be overpowered by all of these people who have been playing the game so much longer than her. She'll figure stuff out mm. in a couple of hours of gameplay, maybe. And... And I can't wait till the day where I hear uh, all of the LDS gamers, little kids in Sea of Thieves just heckling other people because they're, you know, just murdering them and stealing all of their pirate booty. <laughs> like, it's going to be the funniest thing in the world to be on a crew with a bunch of six-year-olds and they're just <laughs> just knocking it out of the park. Um, and that's always been my hesitancy with MMOs already. Like, I've played 
some pretty childish looking ones. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Wizards 101, but I used to love that game. Um, and I've played WoW, and I've, I'm have i familiar with the Final Fantasy universe, and Dutch plays it, so I've seen it a lot. But I, I'm always so intimidated by those games, because coming in as a beginner is so boring to everyone you know that plays the game. Because they've been yeah. playing for, you know, 30 hours a week their whole lives, it feels like. and. Right. And so you get in and you're just like, well, you've got all the fun stuff and either you're going to give it to me and and make my start really boring because I'm not actually achieving anything or you're going to get really frustrated with me because I'm achieving things so slowly. So I can't win and I'm just not going to join you. (laughs) So unless you're trying an MMO by yourself, you don't know anybody who plays it. You're just kind of into the storyline. MMOs Mm kind of have that downside. But Sea of Thieves has made sure that that's not what's going on. Um, if you're playing with friends or even random people who can get to higher level quests, you can just keep respawning every single time you die and keep helping on however hard the difficulty of the quest is. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the best part is like helping each other learn to play the game. Just like with like Pokemon Go, they didn't have a ton of tutorial stuff and you kind of had to figure stuff out on your own too. But there was everybody who knew everything already at every Pokestop you went to, um, like people would just be like, "Oh, you want to learn to do? Th- yeah, you do this and this. You know, this candy does this and this berry does this." And and you're like, "Oh, thanks, random stranger. Now I know how to play the game." That's exactly how I ended up learning to play Sea of Thieves. I ended up <laughs> with a crew of people on uh, Discord for people in the beta, and they were like, "Oh, this is how you do this, and this is how you do this, and isn't this silly?" And they were super patient with me, um, and they just showed me how to do it. And and you can learn everything in about ten minutes. Or you can just learn as you go. It's really no big deal because, once again, you just respawn and everything starts fresh if you die. So uh, you go back to your boat or you get a new boat. It's There's no ridiculous consequences. I know that in the next patch they're going to add that you lose some of your gold in your inventory if you die. No. But it's, Why would it's, they do so? I don't want thing. any consequences for picking <laughs> battles with people I shouldn't be picking battles with. Well, to be fair, Martin Luther King, he and I played last night, just so everyone's aware, and he was free to pick battles with anybody he wanted to, because we didn't lose a, we didn't lose the ship once, did we? Like, Uh, or did we one time? We, we, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. Okay. Um, But when we played previously, we lost the ship multiple times, and it was always my fault. (laughs) <laughs> because I would shoot cannons off at ships way off in the distance that had never seen us, and then they come back and kill us all. And that, that happened twice. <laughs> Sounds like something you would do. But anyway, they were um, the, the, both times they were fun. Like we lost things and we lost treasure that we found and stuff. Whenever Martin Luther Bling was picking on people who were better at the game than us. <laughs> um, but I guess last night, I don't know if we just got lucky because everybody was like really bad at the game besides us or if we were just on a roll or something. But we defeated a pirate fort, like a skeleton fort together. And mm-hmm. we fought off it's like I think too. two galleons and then the same sloop like three different times. And <laughs> they just kept coming back for revenge and we just kept winning. Um, it was it was a really fun night. And, run. and we must have been working on that fort for like a solid hour. Um, and and there wasn't a moment in it where I was like, man, this is repetitive, or man, I'm done with this, or anything like that. I was just like, oh, we're, we're getting closer, and the hordes are still coming, and 
uh, I just I really like the game mechanics and how they keep you interested and that there's not really anything so frustrating that you want to rage quit when you play the game. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a nice fun game for, for all of us, uh, filthy casuals, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really, really enjoy it. And I can't wait to like talk my sister into buying it for her kids so I can play it with my niece and nephew. That's awesome. Um, Very cool. and then, Last thing, uh, well, two last two things. Um, Vader pointed out the NPCs, the angry mobs, as I like to call them, because I'm a Minecrafter, uh, <laughs> that they lacked any variation, that it was just the same thing over and over again. Well, yeah. I think Bling can tell you from firsthand experience from last night that they don't lack variation anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Like, yeah. as far as the skeletons? or? Yeah. Well, I, really, the skeletons are the only angry mobs or aggressive mobs other than sharks and snakes. Right. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. there's, so there, there's like a ghost version. There's ones that yes. are gold that you have to get uh wet, like uh, get them, lead them to water and rain. There's like grass ones that you have to use swords on and yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's, okay. there's different variations of the, the skellies. Um, I would mm -hmm. like to see more, variation in enemies though i i yeah. know that they're going to add different versions of the sirens that we already see to teleport back to our ship um that will have a heavier line in the story and in the quests and stuff huh. and it's it's been predicted by people following the game releases and stuff that some of the sirens will be ang will be aggressive npcs um and so uh, we may have to fight like yeah, a Poseidon-esque lord or something in his minions down the road. That'd be cool. Um, that would be cool. And I, I haven't seen anything about it, but I really, really hope that eventually they put in a navy uh, where it's just NPCs that protect the outposts. And if they see you start an aggressive attack on another ship while they're in range to see you, that they will come and defend that ship since you started the attack. <laughs> Oh, and that, that they would will be weird. until you either leave the area uh, or until you see yeah. they will not relent kind of a thing. And I think it'd be good <laughs> to have Navy characters walking around the outposts. Like if you shoot someone at an outpost, at least that you risk maybe officers coming and trying to kill you until you uh, leave the island. So it would make outposts more of a safe haven as opposed to a, let's just camp out the yeah. outposts and steal gold and i wouldn't ah, say I, I wouldn't say it'd be a no pvp area but it'd be like a pvp yeah. with consequences kind of an sure area. sure yeah and, huh. and that would be a little bit more realistic pirate wise because that's really what they went through in the caribbean they really did have to worry about the the british navy and yeah uh and the spanish navy and the french navy like it wasn't a joke that it was major trading outposts for the atlantic ocean and yeah that's what you hear about in the real tales of pirate stories is like, if you really like pirates, you really don't like the Navy. That's their biggest enemy. <laughs> like I, that, I think, that and scurvy. <laughs> I think it'd yeah. be really cool if, if some pirates come and uh, kill you and take your treasure, if you could like put a bounty up on that ship or on that pirate that killed you and, you know, say I'll, I'll give 500 gold to, whoever kills this pirate. Right. That'd be That'd really be, cool. And you have to like put the money down when you set up the bounty and then yeah. automatically whenever somebody kills them the first time, 
that you just get rewarded that money. That'd be yeah. Neat. But yeah, it would be cool. I can see this game taking a lot of really creative turns whenever it comes to NPCs down the line. But at the same time, they've definitely delivered for launch time um, uh, a, a venerable fruit salad of skeletons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, Plenty of skeletons. Well, yeah, I, I need to get nice. me that level 75 shanty now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have Life a goals. bone to pick specifically with Vader. And I'm so sorry, Uh-oh. he can totally take this up with me in Discord personally if he wants to. Yeah, but... he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> but he made he made a thing about the jokes in the game, that the jokes aren't even funny, and how eating a banana whole isn't really funny, and, and to stop pointing it out in the game, like that's an ongoing <laughs> joke. Um, so, uh, one, I had to Google this. I'm not going to pretend like I knew it already, but, you know, some cultures, they eat the banana whole, because apparently the vitamin has a bunch of good for you things in it and it's just bitter and so we as americans tend to not eat it and i guess that trend is in the uk and new zealand and australia as well but um if you look at like indian food dishes and stuff where they use bananas they don't remove the peel when they cut it they like keep the peel on (laughs) and so you're expected to eat it and they usually do like a sauce there's like either a spicy or a sweet sauce with it to help counteract the bitterness of the peel, but you still need to eat it for the majority of the vitamins that come with a banana. So, so hmm. there's little today I learned. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but then there, there is humor that's deeper in there. And this is back to the ready player one conversation we had earlier. There's achievements on Xbox that is really hard to make sense of. If you are looking just through the list of achievements for sea of thieves. Yeah. Um, but there are two in there that are a direct nod to a game that was released the year I was born, um, The Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, but in that game, they had sword play with quips. Like, you had to fight with a sword, and you also had to insult the baddie you were oh. fighting. I don't know if you guys remember that at all, if you ever no. played that game. But it, it was like, if you didn't insult the person back, I'm pretty sure what happened was when they went to attack you, you didn't defend in time. Like, you couldn't defend in time. You had to quit back quickly, or they would get pretty much a free attack on you. And huh. um, and one of the achievements is a huge nod to that. Well, actually, two of the achievements. It's pretty much direct quotes from that game, uh, but they've tailored it to be more about Sea of Thieves than about uh, dairy farmers and cows. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those of you listening that played uh, The Secret of Monkey Island, or if those of you listening are interested enough to play a game from the 90s like heaven help you um (laughs) but you can play it online with a lot of different places and emulators and things but it's a fun little game it was one of the best games of its time um and and those quips in it are really really funny and they like they tickle your sides it's pretty great um and they're all family friendly too so it's like if you really want just dad jokes just dad jokes to roll at people <laughs> when you're playing games. Play that game and you'll get a couple. Um, That's awesome. And then I don't have a lot more to say about it except for my wrap-up, uh, which is uh, Sea of Thieves, as far as a game goes, is a lot like a convention or an LDSG meetup or um, even a YSA or a youth activity or anything. Your engagement with it is entirely up to you. You can say before you go that you're going to go, but you better have fun. And and you're going to leave it up entirely to the activity or the convention or wherever you're at. You're not going to have any fun. 
But if you make up your mind that you're going to have a good time when you start, that you're going to do it because you want to have fun, you're going to have a fantastic time. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just depends on where your head's at when you start playing the game. It's not entirely up to the game to do that work for you. You need to decide that you're going to allow yourself to have a little fun, be a little silly. Um, if you listen to the people who have recorded it and done Let's Plays and streams of it and whatnot that are popular online, those people are like, they're doing full-on pirate voices. They're making weird pirate jokes. <laughs> they are doing every pun they can think of, and their friends are laughing because it's silly and it's ridiculous and it it's just keeping them all entertained by the game. Um, <laughs> so if you are having a hard time playing this game, I challenge you. Not only get on LDSG to the Sea of Thieves channel and find some of us to play with. Um, try and tag me specifically, because I am all about challenging you to have a fun time with this game. And, <laughs> and you know, go out to your local card and party factory or Zurchers or whatever you have in your area and buy yourself a cheesy Captain Jack Sparrow hat or a hook or an eye patch or a parrot for your shoulder. And like, just, just play the game dressed like a pirate. I know Throne Coconut <laughs> tried it out. I know that I, I think Mandolin had some stuff that she was doing. I still haven't made myself a pirate cosplay for the game yet, but that's mostly because my streaming is not 100% yet. Um, but like, if you just find be ready to be flexible and have ridiculous fun with this game because it's <laughs> it's not going to just hand you the fun on a platter that's for it, sure it doesn't hold your hands it's the dark souls <laughs> of pirate games <laughs> <laughs> oh man well see you thieves sounds like a good time i'm very very glad you're able to jump on and share with us the good <laughs> that you've experienced with the game after such a rainy podcast <laughs> last time very cool so there's lots to enjoy in sea of thieves grab a friend grab a pirate hat and jump on in well thanks so much for joining us tonight guys we're gonna wrap this up just a quick plug we talked about it earlier but just to re to wrap or to visit it again deadwood check it out uh, i've created a short link um, you can either google the deadwood game on kickstarter or you can just go to ldsg.io slash deadwood to check out Facade Games' newest game. So excited. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.